Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Good afternoon and welcome to Collaborative Connections Radio Show and Podcast, sponsored by KLM. I'm your host, Kelly Lorenza, and we are live in studio in Tempe, Arizona, and I have three amazing guests with me here today. I can't wait to introduce you. I uh, started Collaborative Connections as a way to amplify uh, people in the community that are doing amazing things. I have some amazing clients and amazing referral partners and power partners, and I said, I have to be able to have a place that I can showcase what they're doing and connect them with others in the community that I think they need to know, and I think we all need to do business together. So (laughs) I I love um, collaborating. I love elevating business uh, and doing business with people who I love and support. So welcome to the show. I uh, will start by introducing everybody that's in studio since you guys can't see us until later when we're on YouTube. (laughs) So welcome to the show, Shauna Duffy. Nice to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here, Kelly. Tell us a little bit about you and what you're doing these days. Yeah. So just recently, although it's been two years, it seems really recently, I made a shift from corporate America I was working in banking. I worked for Bank of America for over 20 years and started in college and then moved into another position at U.S. Bank, primarily working in the co-branded credit card space, managing portfolios. I'm sure most of you might have credit cards in your wallet, which are tied to rewards cards like airlines or hotels. That's my forte. Uh, As I mentioned about two years ago when my son was... um, When he was accepted into Brophy, I knew that I needed a flexible schedule, so I elected to move on and started in the consulting world. So it was a little bit scary, but I joined one of my former managers who had started a firm, Blue Ocean Advisory, and he had managed many co-branded programs as well. Since moving, we have been very successful in, we're kind of like matchmakers, putting banks and brand partners together to build co-branded programs. Or if there is a co-branded program that's looking to move and to renegotiate contracts, that's typically what we do and what we come in to help companies with. It's been really rewarding. Well, it's exciting. And an entrepreneur of of having your own business and being a consultant for others is really fun, I bet. Yes, it is. And you've been very inspiring, by the way. As I'm preparing to come on today, I, I realize just how much more marketing opportunity there is with the other um, side of my business, which is Yellow Day Marketing. And um, we won't necessarily need to go into that today, but uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you so much. And Anya Kubicki, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to to highlight all the work you're doing. Tell us a little bit about you, your business, and your newly uh, elected seat. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, and it's been a busy schedule. For the last 18 years, I have been the owner of Engels Communications, which is a public relations strategic communications agency based right here in the Valley. And I've had the privilege over the years of working with the most amazing, incredible people and clients which has resulted in recently lending this wonderful office opportunity at a very brand new collaborative center called the Center for Positive Media. And I'm so excited to be there with Carrie Pena with Inspired Media 360 and Andrea Evans with Front Doors and The Red Book and Brendan Lee with Art of the Soul and Elena Lowry, who 
most of you will remember from her days as editor of the Phoenix Business Journal and now with Common Sense Media, incredible collaborative community where we do our work and our best ideas come from. And then in my second hat, which I'm so excited about, I get to step in and I'm president-elect currently. The fiscal year begins in July. So I will be president of the Phoenix chapter of the National Association of Women Business Owners. And that is an incredible honor and an opportunity that I look forward to leveraging with with everyone. So many things, right? So many cool things. And I can't wait to to highlight you and talk about that. Welcome to the show, Laura Bodie. Did I say that right? You did. I guess I should have asked before. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being on, on with us. Can you tell us what you're working on these days? Yeah. So I am the director of community engagement for a new leaf. We're a large local nonprofit. Uh, we serve about 34,000 people a year. We have 35 programs across the across the valley, um, different social service programs. Um, and I, I love that I get to join this group because a lot of people don't think of nonprofits as a business, but we, uh, we employ a lot of individuals and we are really strategic about helping with the community grow in a healthy way. And we engage a lot of companies. We talk about Bank of America, U.S. Bank. We partner with you know, we're, we're helping them connect to ways that they can uh, grow the community as well. So I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Oh, and I love, I'm a philanthropist uh, probably since the age of 13. Luckily, <laughs> I got to start that journey uh, at a very young age. So I am I love highlighting nonprofits. So I'm glad you're here. Well, we'll jump right in. Uh, well, I would be remiss if I didn't introduce myself, I guess, for those people who are listening who don't know. I'm the host, Kelly Lorenzen. I own KLM. We're a business owner's duplicate. So small business owners and family-owned businesses call us when they're needing to duplicate themselves, <laughs> short-term, long-term. Uh, so we have fun doing that. So I will start with you, Shauna. Tell us about the specific uniqueness to the services you offer. You did touch on it a little bit. Yeah, I know. I, I unleashed a lot in that first introduction. So the uniqueness of what we bring to the table as a consultant, there's probably about five or six consulting firms in the space that we work in that primarily work with providers of payments. So mostly banks and, and mostly larger banks where we do connect people um, together for credit card programs. Yet, we feel that we operate very differently. We do um, try to touch into more of the philanthropic space as well. So we are trying to align more closely in, in that area as well as rather than just being a firm that processes RFPs and puts the, the companies together, we also help to optimize and build revenue uh, we really create an opportunity to fill in the gaps. You mentioned being a duplicative service. In a sense, our consultancy firm does the same. There's only so many resources that these brand partners can apply to their programs, and they just don't know enough about the industry. So we do come in and help them to market, help them to really um, gain traction on the competitiveness. We help them to build their product values and just really understand what's meaningful um, in the industry which can get lost when you're really heads down in your own <laughs> business and trying to build that. That's for sure. So. And meaningful, right? Something that is going to be uh, productive and, and good for all, all parties involved. Exactly. And I think so many of these programs now do want to give back. They're trying to find ways to help with sustainability, to really just move the industry in a different direction that hits people's hearts and souls versus just making it transactional. Right, right. Yeah. We, I'm a part of conscious capitalism and 
we have a chapter here, Conscious Capitalism, Arizona, and it's all about that. The win-win-win for all parties involved, right? Mm-hmm. Are we are we doing good for all stakeholders, right? It, take into consideration everybody who's involved. And it's an, you know, it doesn't, it's not just each partner, it's the client right. and I mean it's everybody. I was just watching Shark Tank the other night, and uh, they were talking about how it's really shifted over the years when you talk about uh, new businesses and how they don't even entertain um, business ideas unless there is that community giving component to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Ooh, what a great shift, right, for something that's so elevated like Shark Tank right. to be able to use that as a as a platform. <laughs> I love that. Right up my alley. Anya, about NABO, uh, why, why did you join NABO? What inspires you to continue to give back to that organization? In a way, it's not that much removed from the from the topic we're just discussing, because I, I believe that businesses here make the difference. And that is how we grow our community. And women especially, I think, have a unique set of challenges. I do believe that as women, we lead a little differently. And there's a different support, perhaps, that we can form for for each other when we have a group of like-minded individuals moving in the same direction. I was really excited by the idea of meeting fellow female entrepreneurs here in the Valley, learning all about their causes. And the number one thing is NABO gives back so much. And it's such a platform for all of us to connect and do something really grand and transform our community. And that's why I was so inspired by the work that you do at Turn You Leave, because there are so many ways that we can inspire women to become more vibrantly involved in providing economic stability here in Arizona. And as a state of Arizona, we have a lot of work left to do to help women. So that was the primary reason why I joined Opportunities Everywhere, that I look in there to be better as women in business. And we do have a lot of work to go, right? We do. We do. We actually rank kind of low as a state in terms of the number of women entrepreneurs. And I think just like with everything else, women need to be encouraged and supported to become our best. And NABO is the one way that we can do that. Mm-hmm. I love that. What? Tell us some of the programs that NABO does. We primarily help women entrepreneurs from the next-gen group. This is a big initiative right now, helping young entrepreneurs find their way, set up their businesses properly. The other big piece is being certified as a women-owned business. And from your banking backgrounds and probably from a lot of the employers you work with, there are certain advantages of being certified that access to that big government contract. It's not going to come without the certifications. And we do have programs and people that we connect with to help women accomplish that because If you're a busy entrepreneur and a small business owner, let's face it, the last thing you have time for is to try to figure your way out through paperwork, right? And it's a lot of paperwork. I looked at it. I've owned a lot of businesses. I think I'm on fourth or fifth. And and every time I look at it, like, oh, I should get certified. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not doing all that paperwork. I'll do it for anybody else, right? But I won't do it for myself. So that's cool that that NABO is part of that. Yes, and we we lobby. We you know we have a big advocacy effort. I think a lot of people forget NABO was formed in 1975. I was born in 1974, so I think about this because it was in my lifetime that women didn't have the access to capital. It was the women that were there that did the advocacy work that changed legislation that empowers all of us to be able to be in business the way we are today. And those are the differences 
changes that I think we can continue making to make those shifts to be a better society. Mm, I think so, too. Speaking of shifts and, and social impact, tell us a little bit more, more about A New Leaf and what the programs and, and impact you offer. So we have programs in several different areas. I, I think think about is people come in the door in crisis. Um, they might be experiencing homelessness, domestic violence, sexual violence, um, just extreme poverty, kind of stuck where they're at. Um, so we're, we're providing crisis services, shelter, financial assistance. But beyond that, what do these people need to become um, st- stable? Um, workforce development programs, um, asset development. We have match savings programs for people that are opening a small business, financial literacy, education, you know, pursuing a post-secondary education degree, early childhood education. Uh, We also offer foster care services, um, tax filing assistance, you know, a lot of different programs. And it just really is meant to help people along their path. And, And it's our job to kind of connect them to that. You know, a lot of times they can't see beyond the current crisis they're in, but once they're out of that, we're helping to connect them to the next step. Mm, isn't that amazing? Are they still doing what I uh, had a contract with Nedco through a new leaf? Are they still doing that? Yeah. So we acquired Nedco a few years ago. And uh, yeah, we're doing coordinating small business workshops, um, one-on-one coaching. Um, and just, you know, yeah, a lot of people have a dream to start a small business. They've had that dream for so long and they don't think about all the the steps that are necessary, all that paperwork, um, be- developing a business plan. And, you know, so we're helping take those dreams and turn them into something that it can really grow. I had a lot of fun helping some really interesting, cool, small business owners that just needed that little extra help. And it was so amazing that Nedco through a new leaf could pay me, right, to do the do the work that they could, they needed desperately. And what a cool thing it was to be a part of that. Yeah. It's just, it's, we used to focus just on basically main street and Mesa. So helping a lot of those businesses as a light rail was going in. And um, that was, a, that was a tough time, you know, for, to drive business during all that construction. And, and then through the pandemic, again, we were really helping people with keeping their businesses open, but the lives that are changed by helping these small business owners, like their stories are so wonderful and empowering. And a lot of them do have that component of giving back to the community at the same time. Mm, I love that. What other things are you involved in, in any of your businesses or, well, Anya, we heard about all, all of yours. (laughs) Shauna, what other uh, things are you involved in? You talked about Yellow Day and um, Blue Ocean. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit back to Yellow Day and, you know, Blue Blue Ocean fits into this, you know, arena as well. It's really just looking for the opportunity to work with new businesses that are coming to fruition that might have ideas that don't necessarily have the capital, just really trying to find their way, mostly through the financial network, trying to really understand how to power themselves Basic questions, who do we talk to to even run a transaction? Is it Visa? Is it MasterCard? Who who can help us to set up a you know digital integration on an, an API and, and application? So really just trying to help these businesses that have these great ideas that can help to, you know, power opportunity for millennials and for, you know, the next generations coming forward. I don't necessarily always charge for these services. So it's it's a lot of investment. I call it my volunteer work, but I do believe in some of these companies and, and figure by the time that they, they make it big, they won't forget about me. <laughs> um, but that's been really interesting just to be able to work in, in this space and 
and just, you know, again, be at the the ground up and just looking for opportunities and leveraging something new. Right. And it's such a cool thing to use your expertise, right, to give back and to do that for I, I, that's kind of how I felt when I was working with Nedco, right? It was like, yes, they were paying me a little bit, but it was so nice just to be able to be like, I can help all these small business owners who would not, you know, not be able to even know who to ask, right? To even have that, uh, that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's neat to be able to, you know, yes, it's great to get paid, but it's also (laughs) nice to be able to use your brain, you know, use your expertise in your brain for, for something good. Exactly. Yeah. That's nice. Speaking of doing good, the Centers for Positive Media, tell us a little bit about more more of that. We need positive media, right? We do. <laughs> I think after, especially after surviving two years and going on now with, with the current sad situation in the world, we are overloaded with negativity. It's so easy to find stories that would make us depressed. And while that's the reality that that is there, we can't hide from it. There is such a missing component of highlighting the stuff that is good because there is so much good going on. And at the center of positive media, we really all have the privilege of working on those great stories and bringing them to light because they deserve the spotlight as well. As a publicist, you know, I used to always say, well, they cover the bad stuff on the news because that is news. And thank goodness that is news and not common stay, because if it was if it was commonplace, then we wouldn't need to cover it. Right. But at the same time, it's it's been so much and, and we need to get uplifted with the positivity. So uh, Carrie Pena, who's there with Brendan Lee, are starting a new show, which right now there's a subscription on YouTube and it's called Good Morning Sunshine. And in that show, they're going to be highlighting all the positive pieces going on around the world, a lot doing with with uh, behavioral health and with great things and people in our valley that are really making a difference every single day. I think we, we need to highlight that a little bit more. So I'm so excited to be in the building where all this happens because you cannot be changed for the better when you're surrounded by all this great positive energy. Mm, I love that. We were just talking about that off air, weren't we? <laughs> about be, who you surround yourself and being around the positive people, you know, and and it changes your um, changes your world. I think. Right. I we 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 know that we are the sum of the five people we spend most time with. Right. And sometimes we're not that consciously making the choices about who we allow into our space for the long periods of time. But I think especially at work, we can make those choices and we can surround ourselves with people that we want to be more like and they more like us. And then it just creates an amazing workplace. Mm, and just get to invite everybody on the show right. so I get to be around you all the time. <laughs> See why I do this. <laughs> Laura, to your, how does New Leaf work um, in the space for domestic violence? We talk about trauma and we talked about in this off air, but tell us about the domestic violence space that you're in. Yeah, it's, you know, I, a lot of people ask, man, I, I don't know how how your program staff work in that in that field. You know, it's just so much um, trauma that people have experienced. You know, our staff do get experience that secondhand trauma, too. Um, we have uh, six different programs that uh, work with domestic and sexual violence survivors. Uh, our crisis hotline for Maricopa County is that first line of defense where people are calling, needing needing support, and they're getting that assessment right away. And uh, what do they need? Do they need shelter right away? Do they need 
do they need resources? Do they need safety planning? Um, kind of where they're at and where th- what they're ready to do. From there, we're connecting them to shelter availability across the across the valley. Um, sometimes outside of the valley for their safety. Uh, a new leaf operates three different shelter programs in Glendale, Mesa, and Apache Junction. And we have an overflow program um, that we started um, in 1991 to make sure that anybody who reaches out for shelter and if there's none available, we would still want to make sure that they have safety. So we're putting them in hotels and connecting them to case management and basic needs until we can find other accommodations for them. Um, we have a court advocacy program that walks people through the process of getting an order of protection because that can be very complicated and also very dangerous if they don't know how that works. Sexual violence services were expanding, and that's it's different experience than domestic violence. Uh, and actually, more women and men experience sexual violence in their life than, than they experience domestic violence. So, we are opening a rape crisis center in Mesa next month. We're very excited about that. There are not very many resources for sexual violence victims beyond, you know, filing a police report and, and getting that forensic exam. So, dealing with that trauma longer term is there's not a lot of resources there. So there's the need is is tremendous and it's a it is a tough world to a tough area to work in but there are so many positive outcomes from that too and it's that it's those stories and those experiences that we really focus and and I love to share because that makes people get behind it and it breaks a stigma around domestic violence too we need to be talking about it we need to be recognizing it when we see it something happening and then a lot of that happens in the workplace because People are ostracized from their family and friends, and sometimes it's our coworkers or the only people that can be that person that's recognizing when something like that happens. But empowerment is huge for domestic violence survivors, and for the first time in their lives, they might be thinking about opportunities for post-secondary education, for starting a small business, for realizing their dreams, and we just want to make every opportunity available to them so that they can do that. Oh my gosh. And there's so many cool collab. I'm just thinking of all the collaborations, mm-hmm. right? Of everybody I know. I'm like, oh, you guys need to connect and you need to. Uh, Amplify Voices is a leader circle, a speaker circle that, that helps sex trafficked and um, rape victims learn how to tell their stories in a confident, secure, safe environment. And then they can create a story and have the overcome. What a cool thing to be able to work together, right? And you have that. And like, once they get through that, then they go through trauma healing and then they have the, you know, have that and have the outlet of art we were just talking about, uh, in your space, Anya. Right. With, with Brendan leading and working with many behavioral health centers to transform the stories of being a victim of whether it was domestic violence or even just on a road to recovery too, which could be incredibly traumatizing into more of a creatorship role where you change the story. And I think that's really the beautiful part is we all have these stories that are very sad and traumatic when we look at them, but the transformation is so inspirational. And I remember there's a, there's a spoken word artist, his name is Lemon Anderson, and he said something one time when I heard him speak, and I'll remember it forever because he said, you can't buy struggle. And I really thought about that. And I thought, you know, we all have our journeys. That's the reason why we walk them because at the end of it, that is our journey. And you can't buy that. You can't buy that struggle. But the solutions that we have, that's what makes us creative. That's what makes us thrive. And I have so many of these amazing stories through our membership at NABO. There are so many women that have gotten to where they are right now 
through an incredible journey, you would never know just by looking at them. But when they open up and when they share what they had to go through to get to where they are, you're just surrounded by this empowered group of women that is so inspirational. One of our, our current membership chair, Imelda, is, uh, has an incredible story. She's actually publishing a book right now. She came here from Mexico. She's a mother of 14 children. She has a nonprofit that she's starting in addition to her building. And I mean, there are so many stories like that just within NABO. And we have a mentorship program as well that helps women that, that really want to start their businesses right. There's so many resources. And, but the best part of being connected to it is the stories and the friends we get to make in the process. And to elevate those stories, right? And to, and to talk about it so that it's not taboo, so that it's not a negative thing to say, I went through this, I'm, you know, or I'm depressed or I had anxiety, so I'm on meds or I'm seeing a counselor, I'm going to trauma therapy. We should all be talking about that because then you get the more you the more you talk about it, the more resources come to you, right? Ooh, I know that person. Ooh, you should try this, you know, and have and the stories that of of empowerment and coming through that. If you don't ask, you won't get the help, right? It's not only empowering for the person telling their own story, but it's empowering for others too because they realize they're not alone. This isn't unique to me, and and everything that I'm going through is normal. And yeah, I, I do need some counseling, and I might need some medication management to get through this time period, and that's okay. Way cool. I love that. Fourteen children coming. Right. From- yes, you're gonna have to have Melda on sometimes. She's amazing. Fourteen children and an incredible story as well that she's lived and a business, and a nonprofit, and a desire to change the world. That's why I'm a NABO. You know, I mean, there's so many women like that that I'm so proud to call my friends that I get to meet through this network. And I I just couldn't see it any other way than by, you know, going into work and just, you never know who you're going to meet at the next happy hour. You never know who you're going to meet at the next networking event. Incredible people with incredible stories. I, I hope that you can all join sometime too. But I was just thinking about what you mentioned with banks because of something that Laura said. You talked about the importance of people speaking up in the workplace too, kind of bringing us back to that vulnerability. And what I love what you said about your at New Leaf, you have a, a program that teaches people in the workplace to recognize. I think a lot of times bigger corporations that have a lot more people, it's easier in a small business, you know everyone, but the bigger the corporation, like your background, Shana, the harder sometimes it is to know how to act with your colleagues and when it's the time to speak up and how you can empower them. No, that's absolutely right. And I think so many, I don't want to just say women because I see it across the board, but I would say primarily women. So many women just stand down and they don't speak up and they have great ideas. And I was in a leadership role for many, many years. And it was amazing that most of the great ideas came outside of those meetings because they were just, they didn't feel empowered to speak up during the conference call or during the in-person meeting. And so I would have emails or one-on-ones where I'm like, hey, you know, next time let's really try to surface this. And they're like, they're just not comfortable, right? So I think having the validations, hearing those testimonials, seeing how enriched these women's lives are that have struggled is really empowering. And so, I mean, I'm just even thinking of the collaborations with Melda and, and New Leaf, you know, in terms of, can we get her in front of there? And I don't even know your company, but I'm excited <laughs> to, to see something happen. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, I think we've come a long way, but there's, there's a lot of room to grow. Is there still that uh, stigma in corporate America? Is it still like that where, I mean, 
Luckily, thankfully, I've never had to be there. <laughs> I can say that as an entrepreneur of 20 years. <laughs> um, is there still that struggle that, that people are having not to speak up and not to talk in the boardroom and not to, you know, speak their minds? I think some of it is just human nature. They don't want to be the one that came up with, you know, the bad idea or to be ostracized or to, to be looked at, you know, like they have three heads. But I do think that it exists more in some industries over others, definitely. I think there's some barriers still to break down. Mm. Well, luckily, there's a lot of people now on on this path to help people with culture in the workplace, right? And in corporate and, and higher purpose and leading with, you know, with integrity and the DEI and all of it, right? We need all of it to continue because we do need corporate, you know, to keep going. And we also need to support our small businesses. <laughs> yeah. And I think from a female standpoint, there's so many organizations that are continuously being formed and hearing, you know, these conversations are really liberating too. I know recently I was invited to attend um, a, some you know, seminars and some podcasts for the female quotient. And again, that's just another outlet where I've found that there's just empowerment stories like what you're telling, like, you know, women who've maybe been through struggles, and they've come out on the other side ahead. It's just been a great environment just to hear about opportunity and, and how to overcome some of, again, the barriers that we're facing. So I just, I love seeing these organizations and and even there's, you know, I think our um, prior CFO, I don't want to get that wrong, from Bank of America years ago, she left the company and started an all-female run investing firm called Elevest. So, you know, you just, you hear about all of these great opportunities and um, it's just, it's, it's inspiring. inspiring, yeah. Inspiring. Yeah. And so going from corporate um, to your own business, how was that? What? what how? Because everybody, you know, has probably some version of they were told as a kid or or they see other people, right? Oh, I want to own my own business. So how did that go? Yeah, I'm sure I wasn't super popular with my husband in the beginning. You know, you're going from something very stable uh, yeah. And it was scary, right? I mean, it's, it's all I knew for many, many years. I had taken one year off and gone into consulting. And that was a, in a different time of my life when my son was in kindergarten. So this was, it was, it, it was definitely scary. And, and, and it's still scary at times, right? Like when one client's ending, you're wondering what's happening, you know, with the next client that's, you know, potentially coming on. Um, but it's liberating. I enjoy the flexibility. I really do like to have the opportunity to divest my interests and to be able to expand on opportunities versus I feel like when you're in one role for so many years, you're you're not learning as much, your head's down, you're not, you know, I'm hearing some of these stories, you're not super focused on what's going on around you to really grow. So I, it, it may not be, you know, it may not be, you know, continuous in terms of um, employment <laughs> on, a, on a, you know, consistent basis, but it's definitely more rewarding. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. What about you? What? How's the entrepreneurial journey been for you? I, I can't imagine not doing this. I was really born to do this. It's it's hard, of course, but it's it is so rewarding to your point. And I think there are some of us that just do better when no matter how hard it is of a journey, 
that we get to control it a little bit more. I call those little group of us the little control freaks in the room. But <laughs> but we do have a lot of fun. Yeah, and in all seriousness, it is an incredibly hard journey that is not for everyone. I respect so many of my colleagues that are making this happen because we all want great employees, right? So it's like somebody has to not be the the driver, but also just want to help to propel someone's vision. I think it's easier for me being in the business that I'm at because I get to help people's dreams come true, right? So I still feel like I'm the little engine behind some of these amazing visionaries and their ideas. But the give back component for me has been so tremendous because I am able to control more than where I give and what causes I want to support as my own business. And that has been a phenomenal gift. I also think just the friends we get to make and how we get to spend our time, which is kind of a gift of the pandemic. I think it's going to shift some of the corporations as well and some of the conversations with the traditional nine to five work schedules as we've all experienced a different way of working. I think our world is going to be a little different, even in the highest of the corporate worlds. But I think us women, too, having balanced families and businesses and work, it puts us in a unique space of appreciation of just how much we do and and how much we get to spend um, time with each other, supporting each other through this. And getting to, have, like you said, surround yourself with people. Now, all of my clients have become friends, you know, that you feel like you're just hanging out with your friends on, when you're actually working. I'm like, people are paying me to hang out with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm actually obviously contributing, <laughs> but what a cool thing well, it the, is. We've learned that work happens when we, in quote unquote, hang out, right? I mean, the best ideas come from some of these hangout sessions. And maybe that's why Nabo is such a special place for me, because we'll sit down at what seems like a happy hour, but we're really making these connections and we're really introducing each other from one person to the next and thinking of, you need to meet Laura, you know, because she's got this amazing nonprofit that she's a part of and the banks that you're working with need to get involved. So there's always work happening and it's just so much more fun when it's done in a setting that's enjoyable. And then it's okay that you work till midnight. Right. right. Or, <laughs> or so we tell ourselves. Because <laughs> it's not really working, is it? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, a new leaf. Tell us, um, Laura, we'll switch gears a little bit. Nonprofit philanthropy. How can people support uh, a new leaf? Really in a lot of different ways. I mean, one of the obvious one is uh, making donations. Uh, you know, our programs are supported uh majority by government funding. Some are 100% supported by government funding and others uh, only 65%. And it's really the difference between, like I said, being able to provide like bed and shelter versus being able to help people move beyond their, their current crisis and, and move into stability. So we're, we're always fundraising to, to meet the gap for uh, our, our programs. Um, so the Arizona Tech Charitable Tax Credit donation is a wonderful opportunity to give back without it really costing anything. Uh, so I really encourage people to take advantage of that and learn about it. In-kind donations, we're always looking for um, resources for our programs so to offset those costs. And then volunteer service. So we, we rely on thousands of volunteers every year to, to help meet the needs of, of our clients and to enhance services from everything from preparing meals in our shelter programs to providing mentorship and um, coaching for people for financial literacy, for starting a small business. I wanted to share just about a really neat program we have. I went to the graduation for one of our, our classes yesterday is our Bankworks program. 
um, which we try to connect people from all of our programs to this opportunity. It's a free eight-week class, um, three days a week, and where people really targeting people that are kind of stuck in low paying customer service jobs. Maybe they lack confidence. Maybe um, they just don't have the skills to to get a, a better paying job. But it's training them to on soft skills and technical skills to get a job in the financial services industry, an entry-level job that really has a lot of growth opportunity. Uh, and it's, su- it's so um, impactful. We had uh, 14 people graduate yesterday and, you know, everybody, we heard everybody's stories, where they come from and where they're going. And it's just incredibly inspiring. We had a former graduate speak who graduated from the program three years ago. She was um, young, had just had a baby, single mom. Um, she just didn't know where she was going with her with her life. And, and she found out about the Bankworks program. She drove all the way from Avondale to Mesa three days a week to do this program got hired right away after the she graduated. And three years later, she's in a supervisor position and she just bought her first home for, oh, for her three-year-old. Gosh. You know, it's just, it changed her life. And it and it's, so we rely on banks to partner with this program. Um, they support financially and they're, and they also get first pick on hiring our amazing graduates who are super committed to getting a job. And, and our staff continue to provide support to, to those graduates to help them take the next step in their career. That's just a a really wonderful program and really good outcomes. Oh, I love that. What a cool story. It's always great to hear the outcomes, right? And making a difference. And you talked to, Anya, you talked about uh, NABO doing so much for the community. Can you tell us some of the things that they, you know, as advocacy? Absolutely. We advocate for, for instance, let me and let me just go right back to that. I wanted to touch base on Laura's yes, program. Yes, please. Yes, we have such work shortage, workforce shortage right now. Everyone is looking for employees, and I think this is such an important connection for people to note that there is training happening on the other side. That that organizations like New Leaf are training workforce that is ready to be hired. I think it's such an asset in our community, and thank you for doing that. It's so incredibly important. We see that at NABO because we're small business owners. A lot of times we don't know which companies are doing the program. We're just so busy, right? We put an ad up and we hope the right person shows up. Everyone is hiring and looking to hire. Everyone's looking for talent. Well, that talent could be hidden in there. From NABO's perspective, we really do a lot in leadership empowerment, in mentoring. Mentoring is absolutely huge. We have the the next-gen advocacy going out right now, helping women grow the next generation of women entrepreneurs and really inspire young women to change the story. You, you mentioned, you know, the workplace discrimination and why don't women have more seats at the table. Said reality is we need to grow those women into those seats so that they become empowered knowing they belong there. So this is really our opportunity. We can't change who we were in the past. And that, and there's nothing wrong with the people that had those positions that are currently serving leadership roles. It's just that we need to allow new people to come in and shape them and empower them in such a way to say, yeah, you do belong and you can make a huge difference. I see a lot of that work being done through NABO. We also advocate for a lot more for women getting that equity share, meaning those government contracts, that women should be considered. I think that is so important to make sure that women are looked at and that are given that that seat at the table. Sometimes we do need to advocate for ourselves a little better. And this is the big part of what NABO does. 
we have a hard time at that, don't we? <laughs> it's it's in our it's in our genetics, I think. It's in the in the genes of our children come first, right? Everybody else comes first. We're always last, which doesn't have to be the case because we should take care of ourselves first so that we can right put the mask on yourself first so you can take care of everybody else, right? We need to flip that script a little bit. We need to be and and tell the younger generation uh, it's okay. You need to love yourself. You need to take care of yourself first. You, it, it is a necessity to talk to yourself in a positive way. I'm constantly having that conversation with my kids. Like, what are you saying to yourself? You know, what are you saying out loud to yourself, to your brain? That's the most powerful thing you have is your brain. And what are you telling it? You wouldn't tell your best friend she was ugly, right? You're ugly. Oh, don't ever say that. That hurts my heart. I tell, please don't say that out loud, you know? So it's a necessity from, from all of our perspectives, right? To have those, to have the nonprofits, to have the organizations and, and even corporate, even the big banks to be all in to telling the next generation that it's okay. It's okay to get the help. It's okay to, to love yourself and to get that, that care you need. So I love hearing, I love hearing that. So, uh, any advice, uh, coming up, so we should say either up and coming entrepreneurs or up and coming in the, in the workforce, any advice that you guys would give our next generation of leaders and anybody can jump in. Cause I just threw that question at you. <laughs> well, I would just say speaking from experience, if you've been in a job or a position and you're not happy, and you mentioned it, there's a huge need in the workforce right now. This is your opportunity. Take a chance. I loved my career in banking. I loved working for both Bank of America and U.S. Bank. It gave a lot back to my life and enriched it. But there were many times I wanted to make a change, and I was just too scared. And I think that would be my advice is just, you know, be, you know, be relatively, you know, prescriptive about what you're doing yet take the opportunity. Just go for it. Because there is so much opportunity right now. Like like you said, Anya, everybody needs people. Yes. And we forget we have all the resources, right? (laughs) So that's the other thing is you're not on your own. When you make the leap to go on your own, sometimes the hardest thing to imagine (laughs) is that you think, well, if I leave this big corporation, I'm not going to have anybody else, but you're not. So you look at organizations like New Leaf. You look at organizations like NABO. You look at, there's so many. There's chambers of commerce. There are professional women's groups. Doesn't matter what industry, there are, there are groups that are just industry specifics. The tech council, for instance, no matter what industry you're in, there will be resources. And if you buy into the fact that if you go on your own, you're going to be alone, you're buying into a wrong idea. You will not be alone. It takes a village. That's my new my new theme this year, right? We we hear that all the time when you have kids, right? It takes a village to raise children. It takes a village to be in this world, to be a prof- business professional, to own a business, to be you know to raise do raise these this money right for for an organization. So don't don't do it alone. Right. Don't don't have the uh, oh, I can write our control freak says, no, we can just do it all ourselves. It's fine. <laughs> but there's no need for that because there are so many people uh, in this community that can help. Um, anybody else? Well, I'm going to make a pitch for uh, working with nonprofits. Um, you know, a lot of women do gravitate to nonprofits because I think we have big hearts, you know, and we want to we want to help people. And social services is where you can do that. But we uh, we like 
everybody are experiencing significant hiring challenges and we need strong leaders, visionaries, people who take initiatives. We're doing hard, important work. And uh, we need more people that have that kind of business thinking. We, You have to run a nonprofit like a business or it won't survive. And in fact, that's a lot of how A New Leaf has grown over the last 51 years is by acquiring smaller nonprofits that just didn't have that infrastructure and they, they couldn't manage grants and contracts and their HR requirements and all of those pieces that A New Leaf has developed that infrastructure for. But with the diversity of our programs and the complica- complications of uh, many different kinds of grants and contracts, I mean, we do need a lot of uh really intelligent people working there that can be on top of these things. So I, and I think we're trying to take a look at compensation rates so that we can be more competitive with for-profit companies. There's no reason why we shouldn't be. Again, we're doing incredibly important work that is, is a big part of our community's health. And if we need to all be advocating for uh, nonprofit compensation rates to be higher and when people should consider a job there and and advocate for themselves. What what should we pay you? And you know what can you do for the company that would help increase efficiencies and reduce costs? Because that's a lot of what nonprofits are need to work on too. Mm-hmm. I've been on a lot of nonprofit boards, and it's mm-hmm. it is it needs to be run like a business. And there are so many intricacies that have to and and there. I think that's the the negative part of it is that there's not a lot of people that understand that. And so then you have people that have been in corporate or been in so, you know entrepreneurship. We just do what we want, <laughs> right? But you have there's so many levels, so it's important to have people on your board and to and to hire people that can that know that those intricacies. I mean, even the grant writing. I mean, even just that is such a a need for nonprofits. Yeah, and and it it it's, takes a bit of understanding on both sides. So, I mean, we we run programs that we take a look at them every year and we we categorize them. You know, ones with that we have a big heart for that run at def- deficiencies, you know, and, and then ones that uh, um, are stronger and, you know, how do you evaluate that? How do you hope that the ones that are um, financially more stable can support the ones that are not? And, you know, there's, there's just a lot of uh, challenges around that. And of course, you know, nobody wants to let anything go, you know, and we don't, when a smaller organization comes to us and they're struggling, it's hard to say no, because we recognize the critical piece that they play in the community. And, you know, New Leaf takes takes that on, and and we try to bring on partners to to help support that and make it financially stable for the next fifty years. Mm. Well, it sounds like you need to talk with <laughs> Shauna in the room, right? <laughs> From all her connections with the credit cards, <laughs> I love right. that. Tell us, Anya. For I'm going to switch gears totally. Flip you guys up on its head. <laughs> um, in PR, people think of PR probably just like they do in marketing, right? One, they have one. Thing that they think of PR is. Can you give a better a better definition for people? <laughs> you know, PR has changed so much. And that's part of why I love my space because it's evolving, especially over the last decade as we've had the advent of social media and the way that people get information to them. So I always said that back when I started in big agencies in New York, we used to compete for editorial space and editorial space was limited, right? Because the Wall Street Journal only had so many pages that you could get your client into. And we agreed where we got our information from. Well, that's changed. But now we're competing for mental space. So it really becomes a game of how can I get 
that client and their idea or their cause in front of the people that I know would benefit from knowing about it? Where do they get their information from? So PR isn't anymore about sending a press release necessarily. I mean, that has its place. But it's more about finding exactly where a certain segment of population gets their information from and how can we, in a way that is engaging and really exciting, showcase that information and connect them to it. It's a game I love to play for my clients. It's so much fun because I work with the most amazing people. So I'm always like, how can we get your idea to these people? Where do they get their information from? How do we break through? That's to me really PR. Mm-hmm. The connector. Yes, it's and the influencer, right? So we influence opinion. And we get to do that um, at my agency for the best people and the best causes. So I, I you know, yeah, I do work 24 hours a day because I can't stop because it's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> we're a lot alike, aren't we? <laughs> yes. It doesn't feel like work when you're, when you're elevating the best people. Yes. And, and the best causes and the best, you know, the more we help grow those, those businesses, it helps their families. It helps their families' families, right? It, it will continue to elevate. Hundred percent. I love that. Competing for mental space. <laughs> we are. We are. And and it's a tough place. We're all so busy. Everyone's got phones and everything coming at them from so many directions. I mean, I think from the the five of us here in this room, I bet you each one of us pays attention to information from a different source. So how do you win as a publicist? How do you how do you really guide your client? into where they should be putting their information in there. And that's why that strategy had to change and evolve over the years from just the standard press release to just the more mindful thinking and communicating. I assume that's the same for you, Shauna, is is how do you connect the right people to the right message to say, you know what I mean, to say the right thing? I assume it's similar. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think in the past, I'm just listening to um, how you're describing this, and I'm thinking about New Leaf. And even as I think about different companies that are looking for volunteers and philanthropic assistance, it seems like it's the same three or four that circulate through your inbox, through the media, through through, through everywhere. So hearing your approach is really, again, it's just, it's making me feel good about, you know, how can we go about this differently? And, and it is the same in, in our world too. It's like trying to identify who who's who's the right match? How do we get you in front of the right folks that really understand what your vision is? And sometimes it's it's not that big bank. It's not that big corporation. It's someone smaller that's going to really just latch on to the idea and, and it may grow even larger with that company than you would if you've just latched on and you're a smaller fish in a big sea with a larger corporation. So it's all about the strategic you know, output and, and just how we're aligning the vision. Uh, but I would love to hear more about this work that you're doing. <laughs> it's fun. It is. Yeah. Well, and you have such a different approach than a lot of uh, PR people I've met because you want the positive side of it. You want to elevate what's good in the world and what's going, you know, and and not just hide the... <laughs> In the old days, right? Oh, man, I just need to hide that. Do not say that out loud, right? You know, we used to say that we either help people get into the news or keep them out of the news, right? That's kind of the typical job of a publicist. Or, you know, the bad rep for a publicist was, oh, you're spin doctors, right? Your whole job is to kind of spin something. Well, it's not really about that. And and especially not in today's day and age. But yeah, crises do happen. And I do help clients get through crisis because in a crisis, and especially today, I think the strategy comes down to speed, right? What you say, 
But if you don't demonstrate that you care, you're done for. It doesn't matter how great or big of a corporation you are. And most people kind of skip that part in, in crisis communication or we think, well, you know, if it's a crisis, maybe, you know, Anya won't work with us. It's like, no, but communicating the truth and communicating it with empathy and demonstrating crisis happen. We're people. I mean, that's, you know, your nonprofit wouldn't be there if it wasn't for people in crisis. But the the beauty of communication within a crisis setting is not hiding the crisis, but it's really showing empathy and becoming a better people as a result of it. Hmm. See why I love her? <laughs> I'm like, she's my kind of people. <laughs> we are, can you believe it's been almost an hour that we've been talking? It goes by so fast. I know. So anything I didn't ask you, I'll go around the room. Anything I didn't ask uh, that you want to share about your organization, what you what you love, what you want people to know. I'll start with you, Laura. You know, a new leaf just keeps growing. We're opening a new shelter in Surprise. There's a huge need for services out in the West Valley. That's such a growing community. And along with population growth comes, you know, social service need. Uh, so that's just a, a community that we're really hoping to connect with and kind of make people aware of not only where to find services, but how to support their their neighbors. We're opening a family shelter and a housing assistance center there. Uh, we offer a number of other services there too. So that's just a all the way from Surprise to Apache Junction. We're kind of all over the valley. And we, you know, we're just always trying to tell our story about who we are, about who our clients are, what their needs are. They're good stories, not just the bad stories. A lot of times we, we uh, get people reach out to us if they, if there's a bad domestic violence situation that happened, you know, well, how, what's our response to that? And what's the community need? Well, it's, it's always been there. You know, it's not just when you hear something on the news, domestic violence is happening every day. Homelessness is happening every day. Mental health is real. Everybody experiences it. You know, it's just all these things that people are experiencing and where, where do you get help and how do you help your neighbor? That's, that's who a new is, is and who's, you know, the message that we're trying to get out there. So give us the give us the list again real quick. So anybody who is experiencing dot, dot, dot should reach out. I mean, just visit our website, www.turnanewleaf.org. You can see all the different kinds of services we provide. But yeah, homelessness, domestic violence, sexual violence, mental health needs, foster care, workforce development, uh, financial literacy, all kinds of things. If, if if we don't offer the program, then we can connect you to somebody that does. I mean, we're we're big on collaboration. With 51 years of service in the community, we're we're working really closely with a lot of different organizations, and um, we're we're community connectors along with providing a lot of different services ourselves. I love hearing that, and that you you know if low, littler nonprofits are struggling, right, and then you can buy them and bring them in, or not it's not called buying, I think, in the nonprofit <laughs> world, right? If you can bring them under your wing and then offer those same services. What a great thing, especially because a lot of that goes together. I assume everybody who has experienced homelessness or domestic violence or any of those things have mental health right. necessity. They need, you know, they have needs for that. Right. That's, we talk about it as social determinants of health. There's a lot of different factors that play into people's health. And, and when you're experiencing crisis, you're not thinking about all of them, but they're still there and they need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm fortunate to have quite a few clients who are trauma healers, trauma guides, and it's it's a newish thing. You know, there was only 
two in the whole valley uh, when I started helping these people grow uh, their business to to train other people to become trauma practitioners. And now there's 15 or 20 of them in the valley to do go back and do that regressive therapy and 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 talk about it right and and heal all those little kids in there you know they say the little hitchhikers and the, your body's response to trauma and and it's important work it's important to have the the people to help you and then the the nonprofits and the organization so I'm I'm thankful for you being here and and the work you you guys are doing thank you all right, Anya, you're up. What did I not ask you about PR or entrepreneurship? Or I didn't ask you about entrepreneurship much, did I? Other we than did. Your, we talked, uh, we talked, we about talked about, about it. We talked about the journey. You covered a lot of ground, Kelly, and I thank you so much again for the opportunity to be here. I, I think my final thought for the day would be, honestly, how much we gain from this collaboration, just like you have here on the show and then in bigger circles. And inviting everyone to come check out what NABO could potentially mean to you, your business, your organization, because it's not just for a business owner. We have a lot of corporations that join us as sponsors to create programs or as beneficiaries of programs. So my my whole line had been that collaboration is the new competition. I think we're bringing that to light, especially as women, we are lighting that torch to pave the way to say, you know, this is a huge sandbox we've got here in Phoenix and in Arizona uh, with a lot of problems that need a lot of solutions. And just because you may go about it a certain way, it may be similar to mine, but we can serve a lot of people and neither one of us alone can solve the world's problems, but together we can make a little dent. And we don't need to even worry about the world's problems when we've got plenty going on right here in our own backyard. So I think we can start here and make a difference. And I, I think as women, we do have a unique way of seeing where the need is and solving it. So we can inspire a lot of people to go out and do that. And I just hope that this year in NABO, as we resume our events in person, resume the connections, that more people will come and meet these incredible women that are a part of it. And I love how you have even larger organizations, male-dominated, you know, men-owned companies being your sponsors. Like, yes, you know, my husband is a big advocate of women's, you know, even right. my son said, I want to be, he was little, I want to be president because I want to have equal rights for women. You know what I mean? Like, they're, yeah. they're going to be those men, right? And we need men to come to the table and to help both. We need both, you know. I think a lot of times people mistake women's organizations for feminist organizations. Right. It's not that. Right. But there is a space that perhaps women can feel safer and growing in, in companionship of other women, facing unique sets of challenges that we face that are specific to women. But especially in business, men are incredibly important. And we have huge companies that were founded by men, currently led by men that want to contribute and uh, that want to be a part of the solution. How do we get more women in the workplace when that wasn't a reality before and without those companies being there to hire them? I mean, it, it's like a natural fit for me. This is not at all saying you don't have a place at the table by all means. Be part of the change and come talk to us. Mm, I love that. All right, Shauna, anything <laughs> I didn't ask you? <laughs> I think we covered a lot of ground, and I don't know if I can top these two ladies um, in the humanitarian and in this space as well that you're just speaking to, I would say as you know, we're evolving uh, with Blue Ocean and in my you know, newer company, Yellow Day, um, thinking just about 
companies in need. I know there's quite a few entrepreneurs who are starting companies that don't really understand the loyalty aspect of it. That is an area, though, we're specialized in credit card that we also plan. Um, so I guess this is my plug opportunity here and um, that, you know, we really are here to help you and to help you understand loyalty and how to grow that. And that's the direction that we're moving into. I love For that, sure. that it's, it can be small businesses, large businesses to help that, you know, people don't, you don't even think of that. Like you could have your own credit card and it be co-branded and you can have loyalty programs. Uh, Yep, that's right in there now with my, here's what I can help you, right? <laughs> now that we get to work together. <laughs> yeah, you get that text from the coffee shop, and I'm probably looking at that a little bit differently than most people thinking, wow, you know, we could really expand on this opportunity if we just did these five things, <laughs> you know, but it's it's great to see these companies starting up and giving back, and we're here to help. Oh, that's nice. Well, thank you all so much for being here. You've been listening to Collaborative Connections radio show and podcast sponsored by KLM. Do what you love and outsource the rest. (laughs) 